We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Eddie Howe's first game, although in true Newcastle United fashion, he wasn't actually there to witness the match in the stands like Norman Riley. He viewed it from afar, and I've got Norman, Kyle, Mickey here with me today to talk through this match, what happened, why it happened, and what happens next to Newcastle United. First of all, the usual message from me. We're on Patreon, £5.50 a month for lots more of this kind of stuff. If you like this show, if you want to keep it going, if you like it being free of charge, please support us on there. You get all of these podcasts ad-free on our Patreon platform as well, so none of the American stuff at random intervals. Normally, I'm going to start with you. Me, Kyle, and Mickey were at the match, so I'm particularly interested in your point of view as someone who consumed it from afar. Um, I think the general consensus between people that I speak to and, and, and know and, and what I've seen on social media is much improved performance in parts, but a very bad result. What do you think of that, mate? The result looks worse now because of other results from yesterday, right? Watford winning convincingly against Man United. Burnley picking up a point at home at Crystal Palace and Burnley on a little bit of decent form at the minute that drew with Chelsea the other week. Beat Brentford 3-1. So Burnley beat Brentford quite comfortably a couple of weeks ago. Um, and obviously Norwich bringing in Smith, winning. Now Norwich have got eight points on the last five games. So us drawing yet another game, it being my 12th game, in context it looks very worrying. However, what I will say is the performance itself gave me loads of optimism. The fact that we had 23 shots on goal and nine of those on target, which is more than the total, the sum total of the last five games put together. Um, and it's obviously the most amount of shots we've had on target this season, two more than Watford away. And that was at a point where Watford were absolutely dreadful just before they sacked Cisco Munoz. In fact, they sacked them because they drew to him with Steve Bruce's Newcastle. Um, the expected goals return yesterday of 1.8. Prior to yesterday, the season's average was 0.89. So that is another reason to be optimistic, I think. Um, From a a goal-scoring perspective, that's the first time we've scored three at home in front of fans since Southampton um, in April 2019 under Rafa, which is pretty spectacular. Obviously, three three goals were scored during lockdown football on, I think, several occasions. But yeah, in in terms of in front of a crowd, that's the the first time. other little aspects of the game, you know, the amount of players that pushed forward when we attacked. So instead of it being either ESM or Wilson or a combination of the two in the box or maybe Joe Willock arriving from Norway alongside seven of the opposition's defenders, 
we had like six or seven players in the box at one time, pretty much every time we got the ball forward, which already suggests that not only is there more attacking, more attacking intent, but there's also a higher level of fitness. Within within two weeks, the players looked, to me, fitter. Um, and I'd say that the, the substitutions as well. Um, interestingly, Craig Hope said in-game management needs to be worked on and the performance was a bit chaotic yesterday, which you know I've no reason to disagree with that. However, what I will say is that those substitutions, the fact that we scored because of them, the phrase across the change in formation, that to me is evidence of, of in-game management that we probably didn't see particularly regularly under Steve Bruce. So I think despite the fact that it's a draw, despite the fact that we still need another win, the positives that I'm taking from that game um, mean that I'm, I'm going to Arsenal on Saturday with many reasons to be optimistic. And, and I'm, I'm talking about fully believing that we can go to Arsenal and get something, despite obviously the defensive haphazardness that we'll no doubt get into. But overall, I'm coming from I'm coming away from that with um, with very positive feelings. I agree with you, Norman. What we really could have done with is these games, this game and the Arsenal game, to have been the other way around because we can come out of an Arsenal game with a good performance and not a positive result. Much more enthused than we can the other way. Like this, for me yesterday, the result was absolutely paramount. <clears throat> and I went into the game saying, I almost don't care how we play. Like those changes can come, but the the, the change that needs to happen immediately is the result. So I was I was a bit disappointed that. That, that that's the way around that it wasn't. I think if it was the other way around, I think if we played Arsenal away yesterday, we would have still played well. It would have still been a massively improved performance. So we could have come out of it regardless of the result and got into that Brentford game at home and we would have won. I'm absolutely sure about it. So it's just, I feel like we're a little bit unfortunate the way those fixtures have panned out. Kyle, Norman's saying there that the kind of other results yesterday have taken the shine off this. I think there is, you know, and some of the responses to me in social media, and I've been very positive about this, and you've been very positive about this. Can we're going to come into that positively later on? I promise the listener, there are good, <laughs> there are good things coming. Is it simple enough to say though, Brentford at home, no wins in eleven, you've got to win? It is easy to say that, but <laughs> to quote Steve Bruce, there was actually plenty of positives yesterday. There really <laughs> was. We, we, we got forward, and it's going to take a long time. It is going to take a, a couple of months to unwind the last couple of years under Steve Bruce because we've been like I'm sure half the players don't know what tactics are at this point and they've been they've, they've, they've kind of been showing the ropes a little bit and there's there, there's a lot to take from that I know defensively were abysmal at times but going forward it was a breath of fresh air Norm was touching on it before he thinks we can go to Arsenal and get something but we're bottom of the table I don't think we're bottom at any point under Steve Bruce but I've never, I've, I've never heard a fan say we can go somewhere next week and get a result because it's usually, well, you know, we can get, hopefully we can roll the sleeves up and we might um, shithouse a result. But it's just having that hope back again. We didn't win, no, but there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot to be a positive about and just, ha- just hearing hope from Norman, there's something extra to come on to that. There's progression to be made. A work in progress, to quote Steve <laughs> once again. Steve, the um, Steve Bruce, the, the philosopher. Wow. Um, <laughs> it is interesting because, you know, again, the the other results really worked against me yesterday, right? I mean, you could even look at Aston Villa bringing in your manager. So yeah. we're in this position, this unique position, really, where Ranieri's coming a few weeks ago. So you could argue that Watford are perhaps getting a bit of a bounce from that, um, despite the fact they've lost a couple of games. You know, he's won two games and then scored five goals and four goals. We at Everton had hoped to mind you. I mean, you know, there's clearly something happening there. Um, Gerard coming in and Smith going to Norwich, so Falk out and a new manager in. It's it's a unique position that we're in, right? And I look at that game yesterday and you think, right, 
as haphazard as I say as we looked at the back, two of the goals, one of them was a clear goalkeeping error. Um, you could argue that Tony shouldn't have been allowed to get his shot off. Okay, but you know, that's what centre forwards do, right? They find space to get shots off at times and it slips through Dolo's arms. And the equalising goal, uh, sorry, the, the goal that put them 3-2 up, I mean, that deflection was, I mean, that was up there with kind of the 50 goals that Frank Lampard scored with the biggest deflections you've ever seen in your entire life. It was it was huge. <laughs> so they, they're just really, really, un two very unfortunate situations that have allowed them to score twice. And on another day, Callum Wilson has two half-decent chances that he buries. I mean, the... the Ivan Tony being on that position on the line where he was right then, you know, again, these are kind of infinitesimally small, minute um, differences that, that have ultimately impacted on the results. So again, yes, in context, because of the results, it's it's hard, it's a hard one to stomach. But I've come away from that again, and I wasn't there, right? So I'm only basing it on what I've read, what I've what I've watched them through, you know, a TV screen. But ultimately, as I've as I've said, and as Kyle's reinforced, I'm really excited about going Arsenal next week because all of a sudden, I'm looking at the Newcastle team and thinking, we can score goals, man. We can score goals. And you know what goals bring? Goals bring points, right? Accumulation of points, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Look, Edwards is foaming, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We've mentioned Steve Roussard five times so far. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just, I just miss, I'm, I miss him so much, as I say. It's, um, it's like Stockholm Syndrome, Steve Bruce Syndrome. <laughs> Yeah, um, football's a game of small margins, isn't it? And, and and bad teams get bad luck. That's just how football works. It always has been. And we need to turn the tide of that. And we will. But that's what that's what happened was yesterday. You know, you're right to highlight those two goals. What I wanted to say though, in terms of the context of the game, is how many times looking around the room for answers, by the way, how many times in the last three years have we come away from a game thinking we've got less than we deserved? Oh yeah. That, like handful if, I, if I, any. I made that point to several people yesterday, um, after the match that it was this. There's a lot of weird things happening yesterday. Things that I've not seen on a football pitch in a long time, which we'll come on to later. But Newcastle have always gone into games on on the other end of those results. Yeah. So Newcastle had all of the shots, had a lot of the territory. Brentford played a really good counter-attacking game, but they did play a counter-attacking game. Um, you know, all of the chances really, apart from one goal which was disallowed for them. You could argue they hit the post in the first phase, so that's a chance. But apart from that, Dollar's not made a save yesterday. <laughs> like we conceded three, we're not made a save. We're going to talk about him in a, in a second. But you are right, and th this is what I talked about on a few patron shows through the week. I knew there would be an improvement, a vast improvement. It's impossible not for there to be an improvement, considering the regime from before, and also the fact that Howard's coaching staff seem to know what they're doing. But we've left ourselves in that position that we can't afford any bad luck, we can't afford yeah. any drop points. We will play badly this season. We will deservedly get beaten some games. No, that, that's going to happen, we'll deal with it. What we have to do, and what teams at the bottom have to do, is... is pick up the points in the games you play well in. And that's what reminds me of, of the previous relegation sides that I've seen. Yeah. Especially at home. How many games in 15-16? Stoke, Everton in 15-16 dominated those two games. Villa dominated that game. What, two points from nine? Yeah. And, and that, that is the difference between Stoke and going down. Is, yeah. I just really want to touch on um, Carl Dollar. Let's, let's talk about the team sheet before we move on to part two of the show. Team sheet, one of the most exciting team sheets in years. Uh, I'm lucky that I got a little text off someone in the know about an hour before the match who told us the team sheet, and I thought, fuck me, that's a lot of attacking players, and also, fuck me, five at the back. Yeah. It wasn't five at the back, though. It was three at the back with genuine wing-backs, and, and it was completely different. I don't know. Kyle, I'll come to you, mate. Okay. Your, what were your... Let's not even talk about initial thoughts. Did Eddie Howe get his first team selection right for you? 
Well, he did say he was going. He was only going to tweak it. So I, I wasn't expecting like ground scale, like massive changes as of yet. I was expecting him to play like a similar shape. Um, I was happy to see the likes of Cher in. I was happy to see John Joe in because he did speak highly about John Joe before before the match. Uh, there was players that could pass the ball forward and really implement what he tried to do, which was play out from the back yesterday. So I think I think he did get his team sheet right. He did get the formation. Right, but the two positions I'd probably question was probably the goalkeeper, uh, which we'll probably touch on if he's mistakes, but the other one being Jacob Murphy. Um, I think the last four or five games, I think, were best defenders being Manquillo. He's, be, he's being able to go forward, he's being able to defend well, and I think he's he's the best at being able to transition from attack to defence, whereas Murphy, I think he's capable of a great delivery. He's very direct, but defensively, shocking as, the, as their third goal showed uh, in the muddle up with Shelby but um, they're the only two I would really question uh, the rest of the team I think you got bang on to be fair yeah I expected a five at the back actually I said it on the match day podcast yesterday um, but I knew it would be a very different five at the back and it was a very different five at the back and the linchpin in that <clears throat> in that system being so different is the two central midfielders because that was two central midfielders that were playing 25 yards ahead of the back three, not two central midfielders and Shelby and Hayden or Longstaff and Hayden that drop into the defensive line every single time we want the ball. And that just changes the shape of everything completely. And also having five at the back and then only two in midfield with three forwards allows you to have a lot more width in the pitch. It was just, it was just completely different. And, and I said I said on the Match Day podcast yesterday, if it's going to be five at the back, I didn't want it to be. But if it is, I trust that Tau's got that decision right. And we're now, we're now back in a position where we as a collective know less about football than our manager. Completely back the formation. In fact, I love the idea of 3-4-3. I really enjoyed the fact that what we saw yesterday was the potential of ASM, Wilson and Joe Linton. Um, we'll obviously talk about Joe Linton, but that front three yesterday, from what I saw, it was reminiscent of the the kind of latter days of um, Benitez, right? With uh, the front three of Almiron, Perez and Rondon, the kind of the mobility that those players have. And ultimately, you could argue that Wilson um, is, is a better finish out. Okay, he didn't score yesterday. But what I mean is that there's, there's, there's a great deal of potential in. Tyndall spoke about how how much belief he has in us as, as an attacking entity. Um, so I completely completely about the formation. The concern, obviously, and how he's limited by this is the playing personnel he has. So you look at the three centre-halves yesterday, and if you're not playing with, with full-backs or what Bruce used to play, which is really, really deep-lying wing-backs to the extent where they basically were full-backs, I think you kind of need centre-halves who've got an idea of how to play in full-back positions. Okay, you could argue Kieran Clark has played left-back before, but I don't think mentally he's a left-back. Whereas, obviously, let's say Dummett comes in that back three, and I think that would strengthen his straight away because of his ability to to kind of read the game as a full-back and as a centre-half. And, and, it, and it brings into the equation that, well, I think we desperately need, uh, we desperately, desperately need a, um, a, a centre-half in the transfer window, in my opinion. Um, the only other concern as well is, is obviously the attacking intent with Shelby and Willock is brilliant but at the same time I think when we're in the position we are coming up against better sides obviously let's say and, and even against Brentford you could argue because Brentford got in the space between the centre-halves and those two midfielders they really exploited that right turning and way more kind of their, their movement so I would like to see a, I would really like to see us go out and get a box-to-box midfielder on the transfer window and I look at how his time at Bournemouth and ultimately you can see what, what he's doing there right he, he has Billing and Lerma and both Billing and Lerma you could argue are able to transition from one box to the other quite quickly. They're um, players of high stamina and players who can who can create as well as defend. So, yeah, I really back the formation. Uh, and as I say, I just feel he was limited by the, the personnel, but hopefully that'll improve over the uh, transfer window. 
I agree, yeah, we're going to talk a lot more about the players in the second part of the show and performances. Uh, I agree with everything that's been said. I actually think both fullbacks were a massive issue. Um, let's talk about Carl Dollar before we talk about the defence in general in the second part of the show. You cannot win games of football in the Premier League with you keep playing like that. It's almost impossible. I actually think Dollar was at fault for all three goals. Um, first goal, don't need to say anything about that, goes straight through. Lack of concentration because we've just scored or he's not expecting the shot or whatever. Uh, the second goal, the lad heads the ball inside the six-yard box. You keep us keep us got to come and claim that it's with Darlow. He, he he's a reactive goalkeeper. He doesn't see situations before they happen. And there's two issues with the third goal. So the, the third goal, it's unlucky because it's a deflection, right? That player is trying to bend the ball into the part of the goal that actually goes into. <laughs> so if Darlow just dives for it, I think he gets there despite the deflection because the ball's going wide. It's being given as an own goal to Jamal Lascelles. But it's almost like he needs to see the ball in front of him before he dives for it. And he's very good. He is good at those late reactions. But it's almost like that. That If you look at Darlow's starting position, the ball ends up where you'd expect it to end up, even with the deflection, and he's not there. In fact, the ball has gone past him before he dives. So it's really weird. He kind of dives backwards for the ball. And again, it looks like a lack of concentration. I think Martin Dubravka saves that. In addition, really quickly, just before, I don't know whether this made it on a match of the day, just before they scored the third goal, he, he, the ball was there to be claimed all day Yeah, um, uh, between him and a, a, a Brentford forward. And he, he does this weird kind of slide tackle, which actually gets away with. We don't get the ball back in 30 seconds later, the ball's in the net. I don't know why match of the day cut away between the two. So if he claims that ball, we don't concede that goal. I just think, it, I think that was a, I think Eddie Howe got loads of things right yesterday. That was a, I have to be honest, we've slated Bruce, we're trying to analyse things here. I think I was a great manager and the right man for the job, but I'll be honest, that was a bad call. That was a bad call yesterday. And I heard some people tweeted me saying, oh, he's been away in international break. Well, Fabian Scher was away in international break and he came straight in. Yeah. Martin Dubravka is Newcastle's best keeper by some distance. And I think as well with Darlow, he kind of saw a guy who, whether it was the first mistake, whether it's this theory that as soon as Dubravka comes back to full fitness, Darlow just goes a bit mentally because he knows that any mistake will see him out of the team. We had a free kick last minute of the game and um, Darlow took it and just kicked the ball straight out of play. Um, right, right at the end, and it's the whole st- on what was a really positive day for atmosphere. The whole stadium was just like fuck's sake. I've got two points on that. I, I agree with you there. Um, it was the right idea what he did there with a the quick free kick to try and get it in behind, yeah. but just don't kick it out. Like it's it's much better being ten yards further inside than you want than kicking yeah. it out because it just killed everything. And that was the game done. Yeah, definitely. I think you're incredibly harsh about the second goal. I really do. It's a cracking ball in. I the do as well. Post. To be fair, it's over him. I don't think he can get there. He does well to get in the way. The header. From their from their absolutely tiny fullback who should never Big win ahead, by the way. This, this is the is thing. It, it's in the six yard box. I know, but it's it he's not he's never gonna be covering that part of the six yard box because it's so far beyond him and all of the rest of the play. It was a great delivery to be fair. It was a brilliant delivery. The the, 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 the person I blame for the second goal is Jacob Murphy. Yeah. Rico Henry was in a different postcode. Like, <laughs> it was Oh, don't worry, Kyle, there's plenty of blame to go around. Oh, We're just getting started. It, it, it was terrible marking by uh, by Murphy, but I think I think Dolls to blame for one and three uh, for sure, but but number n- number two was a, it was a great delivery. In fact, it was a lot like uh, Maximin's goal, very similar cross uh, in a in a good finish by well a winger. Spot on in terms of the blame for the um, for the Henry goal. I mean, you look at the you look at Richie on the um, you look at Murphy, you look at Richie and, and, and they're right in the fact that the ball was allowed to 
to be the ball's allowed to be crossed with so much time as good as a cross it was. The fact that Murphy wasn't marking, the fact that Dolo maybe should have done better. But ultimately, your point, Alex, on Dolo being a reactive keeper, I think is really important. If we're gonna set up as this front foot side who who likes to kind of transition to attack very quickly, we need a proactive keeper, basically a keeper who can not only come and claim the ball but can can release it quickly and accurately. And unfortunately, Dolo for me isn't that goalkeeper. He's very much a on the line goalkeeper who will make saves in a side that is being peppered with shots regularly, um, which Newcastle United have been, obviously, for the last three or four seasons. Nice one, lads. I think that'll do now for the call Darlo burning at the stake. Um, <laughs> we're going to move on now and talk about some positives in part two of the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, lads, part two. Kyle, I'm going to come to you for this one, mate, as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been sacked live, even though we're not... This is go out live. <laughs> so people listening to this already know, but we're just finding out now. Bad news for Newcastle, because we'll play them next month and <laughs> would have much preferred him to be in charge. But anyway, Kyle, let's talk about positives, mate. Tell tell the listeners what you really enjoyed about yesterday. Well, I don't know about everybody listening, but anybody like the new Brazilian um, winger that we've got, Joe Linton. <laughs> Can he debut, wasn't it? 40 million quid. Well worth it, I. <laughs> but um, he was he was brilliant, wasn't he? Like, he, he held up the ball. He, he looked in control of the ball, barring the time he fell down in the box in the last couple of minutes. Uh, he, his passes were on point. His finish was brilliant. 
like I feel like I'm talking about a different footballer. Like he was he was absolutely phenomenal. Like it was his best performance in a Newcastle shirt, bar none. And I think honestly, <laughs> if Tyndall and Eddie Howe have worked with him for ten days and they've got that out of him, and Steve Bruce is arguing in the press conference whether he's a centre forward or a left winger, like it just shows how like. He's been underdeveloped over the past couple of years because if he if that, that that's the standard now for Joe Linton, if he can keep playing like that, we've got one hell of a player in Eddie Howe's system for sure. Like, totally agree. You'll do well to find a bigger Joe Linton critic than me over the years. I've absolutely slaughtered him. Yesterday, he was along with Alison Maxmean and John Joe Shelby, man of the match by some distance. Um, what I really liked about him was, first of all, I think what's happened is he's been told what his role is in the team. You're going to play on the right of a three-man attack. And, and Steve Bruce never played a three-man attack. He either played a one or a two or a one-on-one. And then if you were wide, you were almost like a wide winger having to do a lot of defensive Or work. a fullback. Or a fullback. Um, Joe Linton has come in. He's been played in his actual position, arguably for the first time. The first time he's been here, and in addition, he, the, right from the first minute, he was on it. He knew what his job was, and I think I want to talk about the overall tactical direction of the team after we talk about individuals. But I think the whole team selection yesterday was was created to attack. And Eddie Howe has told Joe Linton, "I just want you to move forwards with the ball. Don't want you to run backwards with it. I don't want you to find a centre back. Obviously, there'll be situations where that arises. When you get the ball, drive." And 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 we saw he can do that. He's comfortable with the ball at the feet. He's strong, he's powerful, his vision's good. Great goal, brilliant goal to get it out of his feet, hit it across the keeper right in the corner. Keeper's got no chance. Um, and he was really, really good. What I also liked about him, and this was a bit of a surprise, and this might be my nice position I had yesterday, kind of in the director's box part, um, right on the halfway line. So I got a really good view of everything that happened compared to me seat in the corner where normally I'm like clearing spit off the back of my net most of the match. <laughs> um, um, is he was a leader. He was telling other players what to do. I don't know if people noticed this, but if you look at the th- our third goal, which is essentially a brilliant one-two between St. Maximum and Fraser, by the way, um, Jacob Murphy, Joe, Joe Linton's kind of going to go on the outside of Fraser when he gets the ball. He looks at Murphy and he waves his arm at Murphy, get on the outside, get on the outside, to make that space, to take a the defender or a winger away from Fraser to whip that ball, and which is the ball of the season, by the way. Um that's leadership there. That's having the confidence in yourself to try and dictate what other players are doing. Joe Linton before yesterday, never in a million years. I agree. Um, what the, the main difference you saw in Joe Linton yesterday was confidence, and I, I, I haven't seen that from him at all, but it kind of explains why he's been getting a sniff, because he's been so poor on the pitch the whole time he's been here. He has to have been doing something remarkable in training that none of us thought he was capable of, and yesterday proves that he has got like serious talent as a footballer. He really does. What... What crushes me is he's going to be sitting at home today and thinking about how he fell over at the end. And that if he doesn't uh, slip, I don't know. if he doesn't slip, we win the game. This is and a bloke who was talking about moving to a top six club like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the performances, I reckon he's uh, he takes the positives for me. Well, I hope I hope you're right. I really do because he's 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 made so much headway in in like eighty five minutes yesterday. He has just transformed the opinion of a Montaigne side. It really has. Like he's come out of that game. With more credit, or, or, other than maybe other than Eddie Howe, he's come out of that game yesterday with more credit than anyone else, and it's remarkable because nobody in the whole city would have picked him. I totally agree. And in addition to that, as well, like 
he was even doing Brazilian things. Like <laughs> uh, there was uh, the halfway line, he had two players around him, and he just put it on left to right and just ran with the ball. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like <laughs> we've, just, we've we've found a footballer. He's realized he realized his nationality and just decided to split ankles with his running. But he he was phenomenal yesterday. But like I said before, it's the standard now. That's 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 what he's got to do. And even then, he, he never stopped running. He didn't drop his head off. Like he, the amount of times he'd lose the ball and flail his arms up and be frustrated, that wasn't there yesterday. He, he, he literally just he drove forward and he made himself known. And like the lead, I didn't know about the leadership part of the third goal yesterday for us. But confidence, I agree with you, mate. It's a um, it's a it's a wonderful thing to have. And I think literally Eddie Howe's put the arm over the shoulder a bit like Bobby Robson did Alan Shearer a couple of years ago. You've got to go forward. You've got to you've got to show your confidence and get in the box. And I think I think uh, Jordan could be a real asset under how. Like I really hope hope he can turn a lot of people around because he's been critiqued more than probably any other player in the last couple of years under Bruce. But hopefully it's a, a redemption story in waiting with Jordan. Like, but really happy to see what um, what 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 he's done. Redemption story and waiting. What a lovely headline that is. What, what a lovely air we've put in it. Uh, look, he was he was fantastic from what I saw. Maybe um maybe how we just brought him in like a Portuguese um translator instead of a, like one from Austria, like the club did a couple of years ago. Um but uh, so he got he got he got proper instructions that he understood. Um no, he was excellent. I mean, look, couple of couple of moments for me really highlighted the the, the clear switch in confidence that he's had. I think, first of all, Alex, you're spot on in, despite the fact that he missed that last-minute chance, I don't think that affected him. I think the fact that he scored well, the fact that he led the lane, and the fact that how Tyndall et al. and his teammates are going to be really praising his performance will it'll, it'll eradicate any kind of lingering um, pain that missed caused him at the death. And I think you'll, you'll go into the Arsenal game full, full of confidence. But a couple of things, the... Um, so the corner that Lascelles scored from, if you look at it, right, initially it was a case of typical, typical Joe Linton, typical as in what we've seen since he arrived, right? The ball was played up the line, he basically fell over, but we won, we, he got up and he won the ball back and he won a corner from that. That straight away is somebody who's not letting it get to his head that in the first sort of 50 minutes he's maybe made an error. He got straight up, bang, went straight back in and that, I think that ties into to the leadership um, aspect you mentioned, Alex, he, he's, trying to, he's trying to make things happen, right? Um, and then, obviously, the goal itself was brilliant. I mean, br- brilliant finish. But for me, it was the celebration. You, you obviously wouldn't have seen the kind of uh, the, the camera focus in the stadium, but the camera goes on him, and it just looks... He, he looked like a man reborn. The determination and the joy in his face, it looked to me like somebody who who just thought, I'm I'm in this, like, I'm I'm doing the business here, and um, really couldn't couldn't be more pleased. I mean, again, like, you know, like most of the Newcastle fans have... Criticise him, and I, th- I don't think unjustifiably because his performances have been bad. But obviously, everything's you know, everything has has its reasons and its context. And he's been at Newcastle United for two years at a terrible club, so maybe we will see see a player who can be extremely useful between now and the end of the season. Definitely, definitely, we've got much to talk about in limited time, so we'll crack on. Kyle, going to come to you again, mate. I'll give you one of these two lads to talk about: Anderson Maximin or John Joe Shelby. Who do you want to talk about, mate? I'll talk about Shelby because like on. Like on social media and stuff, and on my own podcast, I've I've slated John Joe Shelby for a good couple of years. I've called him lazy. Um, he's passing. I thought went down the bog in recent years. Uh, <laughs> is it, at times I thought there's just he's just a proper shadow of himself. But yesterday, he was he was another one reborn. Just like it, it feels like they've been in a cocoon half of these players for a couple of years, and the, and, and Eddie House just like chiseled the hammer and cracked the shell. Like <laughs> that, that's what it feels like, and. 
Shelby, he completely controlled the midfield yesterday. He, he, he even even looked fit. Like John Joe Shelby looking fit. Usually we're talking about how he looks like he smoked forty like tabs in a day after 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 one sprint. But he, he looked in the game all game, and he, he was phenomenal. Some of the passing, I was thinking this is this is a John Joe Shelby of the championship. Like trying to spray passes, trying trying to take the game by the scruff of the neck, and being a key player in that midfield. And it, it's been a position that he's been needing to take by the scruff of the neck for some time. Better late than never, but he was. He, he was absolutely phenomenal yesterday. Um, barring probably the third goal, where him and Murphy kind of just let the lad through. Um, I, I, honestly, I thought he was. I thought it was his best performance, probably since the Man City game two two at home the other the, like a couple of years ago. Um, but he was he was absolutely brilliant. Like I don't know what either of you any of you think, but yeah, I, I thought he was absolutely bang on. What a transformation. I mean, what <clears throat> what a transformation. There was one point in the second half where he was under a massive amount of pressure on the ball in our defensive right-back position, and he played this cross-field pass to put Maximan in behind that was just sensational. That's why you have someone like him in the team, and it's what he hasn't done for so long. It would have been worth carrying John Joe Shelby for the rest of the stuff that he normally doesn't do, just for that kind of pass. And it wasn't the only one. There was a number of them. But he did everything else as well. It was... It was the most un John Joe Shelby like performance I've ever seen from him at the central midfielder. Like it, it was remarkable. I would like you know we're talking about Joe Linton with the transition. That's the most unexpected performance for me in the game yesterday. Was John Joe Shelby? I thought he was sensational. Yes, yeah. I have to <laughs> echo that. The, there was a point in the first half where Murphy had the ball for from a throw in, and Shelby sprinted like thirty yards to come and get the ball from the throw in, which is like again unknown things. Things I thought I'd never see, like. <laughs> Just do, but again, I think there's a leadership aspect to there, and I think he has been empowered by how and the coaching staff to say, "You are our centre midfield. The lads beside you might change as long as you maintain your performance and do all these things. We want you're always going to get a game." John Joe Shelby at Swansea and at Liverpool and at Charlton was like the talent in his position in this country, and it's a bit like Joe Linton as well. And this is what we, and I mean by we, I mean the wider fan base and us in this podcast have always said. There's so much talent in this squad, it just hasn't been utilised properly. And to move it on to Alan St. Maximin, like, best performance of the season for me. Brilliant goal. Where'd he play? Left. In <laughs> his position. Who would have thought? In, in, in his position, where where he actually plays. Like, so frustrating that for so many games this season, he's been played through the middle and not had the ball. Look at the, um, the passage of play for the Joe Linton goal. Like, yeah, there's a bit of luck. But you, 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 it's not luck when you've like gone past two men like they're not there, cutting in on your wrong foot, shooting yeah. on your wrong foot, and if you if you hammer the ball into the box at speed, there's a chance it might go in, it might go at the goal, it might ricochet, and we've got the ricochet, and we've got the goal. So I mean, I thought Maximum's brilliant. I mean, the the finish for the goal, by the way, to like you kind of argue he's taking it with his wrong foot. You expect him to take it with his right and hit it across the keeper, yeah. but he backs himself to hit it first time lower to the ground. So there's less power potentially with his left, which is his natural foot. And uh, it's one of those ones where live, I thought he's hit it straight at the keeper and it's gone through. But actually the keeper does well to get a hand on it um, and goes in. So those passages of play, because he's still very destructive in the middle of the pitch, and you see that towards the end for that Joe Linton chance. But he caused so many issues out wide for Brentford and for, for a change that created space for other players. So it was really, really positive on that front. Howard's made the right call there. I'm sure if he's, you know, allegedly if he'd spoken to St. Maximin, 
play me through the middle. I want to play as a striker. No. Him and Joe Linton either side. This is how well him and Joe Linton played. Ryan Fraser comes on and puts in the ball of the season. He still doesn't start for me next week. That's how well those two played together. Um, we're going to move on now, though, to other positives before we go back to the defence and the, the kind of issues. Um, I'll, I'll go on this one. I just want to talk through generally some of the things that we saw yesterday that I thought were a massive improvement. Just little things, okay? So number one, we played miles higher up the pitch. We yeah. played a high defensive line with what you could argue were slow defenders. Now, that created some issues because Brentford were really dangerous in the counter-attack. But what it does do, when you win the ball up, when you press the ball, pressing the ball, by the way, trying to take the ball off the other team, they've got the ball, we want it. (laughs) For how long has it just been, we'll get the ball back when you get into our final third or our penalty box or if you give us it back? No, no, we went hunting for that ball yesterday. Playing everyone high up the pitch meant that Drew Linton, when he gets the ball, he's 30 yards from goal in a lot of situations. He's got men ahead of him. Yeah. When Callum Wilson's holding the ball up, there's St. Maximan, there's Joe Linton, there's John Joe, there's um, Joe Willock, who had a difficult game. We might come on to that later. So loads and loads of positives there. We finished the game strongly. In two weeks, the team looked fit. In two weeks? How the fuck's that happen? How, <laughs> how could the previous lot do that? I don't think Steve Bruce knows what a bleep test is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... It's so it's like to to me just these little things and, and you know I had this from a journalist on Twitter after Bruce was sacked saying well this team won't improve and maybe this team will go down I still don't think so I still retain hope but but we've already seen yeah it was a three three draw and there's much to do defensively and possibly team selection wise to get that balance right but fucking hell it was better wasn't it it was absolutely unbelievable um, and to see a game like that it was a normal game of football yeah it was chaotic. Yeah, there was end to ends, and it, I'm sure it was entertaining for the for the neutral because we were behind for large parts of it. It was very stressful for me watching it, but you know, um, seeing John Joe Shelby sprinting about, finishing the game strongly, pushing up the pitch, you know, that ten minutes um, when we got the second goal up until half time, it's like the best spell of pressure and best football I've seen in about ten years. I'm serious. Like yeah. we're, we're we're all over them. We're all over them that they couldn't cope with work. It's just frustrating that every time we got ourselves in these stronger positions, we're kind of shot ourselves in the foot and we'll come on to that later in the show. Norman, you want to make a point, mate? You lads uh, any any one of you. Um so based on yesterday's performance, obviously we saw a lot of inta- attacking intent, really good attacking performance. Um Performances from from Joe Linton and John Joe Shelby that maybe a lot of us thought we'd may never see or never see again um, with regard to Shelby. I mean, obviously Joe Linton in his third game away at Spurs was absolutely fantastic to be honest, um, and that was reminiscent of that. But I started thinking yesterday, right? My whole idea on signings was we need to get a centre half, a centre midfielder, and a centre forward. Basically, that's what we need in the window. If I had to make three signings, it would be it would be those. This kind of Spain watching yesterday, though, I started thinking actually. Do we have enough cannon forward? And do we just focus on on basically getting wide, like a wide player, i.e. a wing back slash midfielder and um in a centre half or even two centre halves or, or a defensive midfielder rather than rather than focus on the attacking intent? I know you could argue if Wilson gets injured, we haven't got a centre forward. We do, we've got Dwight Gale there. Um, do any of you think that we could actually get away with kind of leaving the attacking aspect of the game and just bringing in more defensive midfielders instead? Uh, sorry, defensive players instead. I, I I agree to some extent. I just think if Wilson and if if Wilson picks up an injury, which if we we'll go off the last couple of years, he, he inevitably will at some stage. I don't know if Dwight Gale 
is reliable enough. But then again, if you have players in and around him and he can poach goals in the box, he might nick a couple of goals. It, it is a good point, but I think defensively it is needing to be looked at the most. I think we need a right fullback like yesterday, um, a, a, a centre back that isn't Kieran Clark, <laughs> and 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 a, and a centre midfielder that can probably do a bit of everything because we've needed a, a midfielder for a while. That can that can defend, go forward. Whereas say like, you could probably name one thing that each midfielder could do well that we've got. But in terms of the attacking, if we can keep everybody fit on an attacking front, we could probably just focus on defence. But if Wilson gets injured, I'd, I'd severely doubt like Dwight Gale. But I don't know. Everyone's everyone's gone. You would lease a life under Eddie Howe. Who knows? You could argue yesterday, Callum Wilson didn't score. Scored three times. So I thought I thought Wilson <coughs> had an off day. I don't think he didn't. I don't think he looked particularly sharp off it. I I agree. However, I thought I thought he led the line in terms of us pressing the ball in their half, and there was a number of times where we I saw him pressing, but not just pressing on his own like he used to because he knew no one else was going to do it. But he was dragging people with him, and he was turning as he was running and screaming at Joe Linton to his right to come and come and press the other centre half and screaming at Maximan, bringing John Joe and Willock with him. He he did a lot of the donkey work yesterday, which I, I haven't seen too many times from Callum Wilson. So that was really positive. But we have scored three. We've scored three goals in a game without uh, the only person that ever scores for Newcastle United scoring a goal. So <laughs> there is an argument there, Norman, that you that you're right. But I think I think Kyle is right. If if Wilson gets an injury, which he might, and if it's a serious one, if he's out for two three months and he misses a couple of the key games that we will need to get points from, we will really struggle to score, and that that has to be addressed. Yeah, no, well said, lads. I I totally agree with that. I suppose we should finish the show then um, on the negatives. <laughs> In terms of what we saw at the back yesterday. Mickey, you made an interesting point to me, though. Before we talk about the specifics, or maybe you want to go into the specifics, you thought of Eddie Howe was in the stadium yesterday Newcastle win that game. It's not a, it's not an opinion I've seen widely circulated. Yeah, I do, and it's based on my opinion on the defence, actually, and, and, and specifically the personnel that were in there and the way, they were, the way they were set up. So I thought bringing Fabian Shaw back into the team was crucial, and I thought he did what he needed to do in terms of being able to hold the ball, to carry the ball, to to switch the play, either whether he was going back across the defence or turning out to his right and playing the ball into the right fullback or the centre forward. Thought he did that really well. He had an excellent shot yesterday. I don't know if he's noticed because it got blocked quite early, but that was I was right behind it from the corner. It was going in. I promise you it was going in. Did really well at that. However, Ivan Tony just had his had his pants down every time the ball was in the air and, and, and Fabian Sharp was really poor against him he was constantly a yard or two away he was never challenging the ball he was never making it difficult for Tony when the ball was coming in in the air how many times did we see Tony yesterday get the ball into his chest and just feed it off uh, to someone that was running past I wanted to make a point about this no one, no one wants to make a point about Tony what I thought we really missed yesterday and this brings I want to come back to your point about how because that's what we're talking about but the fact that you, like, I could say Joe Willock Jacob Murphy and Matt Ritchie had bad games okay but I think they've been selected to play our most attacking team. And all of the good things that we saw, if I do if I want to try and be fair to those lads and think, yes, if you're playing you know, if you're playing wing back, if that's what we're gonna call it, you have defensive responsibilities. You can say two goals, definitely two goals, Murphy. Um Richie for the, not stopping that cross, you know, their lad can put the ball left or right on Murphy uh, Richie and it's going in. It it doesn't it, Richie just knows he's not gonna stop the cross. So Maximan got very frustrated with Richie a lot yesterday. I think that's a conversation for a different podcast on Patreon, maybe. But, but this this was like this was us going all out attack. What Brentford did very well is realised with Shelby 
and Willock as a midfield two that could play between the lines so easily. So what um, Tony's strike partner did at the start, and then Tony started doing it, was leaving the back three, knowing that Willock and Shelby, even if they want to get the ball off him, he can bring the ball down on his chest. And fair play to Brentford's goalkeeper, who was dropping it on a sixpence piece each time for Tony to come deep. We we didn't have an answer to that yesterday. This is to bring it back to your point. Are you saying that if Howe was there, I mean, by the way, Howe was watching the game and speaking on the phone or whatever, to the to the coaching staff, signal strikes and James's Parker. I hope they could hear him okay. <laughs> um, but do you are you is, is that what you, you you are you saying that like those those things that Brentford managed to notice about our way of play and managed to adapt to? If Howard been there, we could have counter adapted. Yeah, I am, and there's there's a difference between talking to someone on the phone and being there and seeing it with your own eyes. I thought. Brentford did exactly what you've said really well, but Tony, for me, clearly targeted Fabian Shaw because he's the weakest, physically the weakest defender. And if he was doing that against the cells, the cells would be in the back of him. It's just such a, it's such a kind of fundamental thing about defending that, that Shaw doesn't quite have. And that's why he's not a top quality defender. But how would have noticed that? What needed to happen for me in that, if you're going to pick those three players, which he has, and I, I know it makes sense to have LaSalle's at the heart of the defence because he's the organiser, but I bring Cher into the middle. So then Tony, whether he goes left or right, he can either be followed by yeah. Clark, who's so going to... Lascelles famously had a massive hoof when Rafa tried to play him on the right side. The well, I know, field. but like, what's he going to do? Say, I'm not going to play. Like, bring Fernandes in, which is what should have happened anyway. Like, and then you've got the two, the two side defenders, centre-halves, that can follow that. And when you've, got, when you've got three at the back, and I know it's a very attacking 3-5-3, three, three, when you've got three at the Extra back... Players. One of... <laughs> three, five, yeah. What am, I, what am I even trying to say? 3-4-3. Three, 3-4-3, three, three. Three, three, yeah. <laughs> One of those, one of those centre halves can follow into that gap as long as the other two are organised, and that that could have happened. And do you, do you not think that if he picks Isaac Hayden, this issue isn't there? Yeah, but then we don't have the same impetus going forward. That's correct. Yeah. So, and, and the other reason why I think I wanted to talk about the defence and talk about that structure and the the way those three play is really you want you want your best ball player there in the middle because he can he can bring it out through the middle and look to either side where when you've got Shaw on the right, excellent on the ball, can make those run moves forward and those passes forward, class at it. Lasalle's kind of doing it all. Obviously, he's terrible on the ball. But so is Clark. And Clark doesn't offer that same balance to the left. So we were constantly, when we were bringing the ball out of defence effectively, it always had to be on the right because Clark just can't do it. And you could see it over and over again with Clark's passing into Richie. It was always one yard behind where it needed to be rather than the yard in front so Richie can move onto the ball. I thought that had a massive detrimental effect on the team. And that'll come, by the way, in the January transfer window, as Norman said, we will bring in players that can play in those positions to fit the system. And we don't quite have it yet. I think how if he's in the stadium notices that and makes the change. You want to make, oh, a, you want to make a point, about point about Ivan Tony. I, 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 sorry, but I do, I do have to quickly just mention the centre midfield. I think um, absolutely spot on the attacking tempo. What, what it shows us, and we mentioned it earlier on the show, is that we need that midfielder, right? Who can, who can basically do both things. I.e., can, can defend, can sort of close down space, can defend, can put tackles in, but can also get forward and create. And I know they're a rarity, but ultimately, if this is about avoiding relegation, it's one of those signs you think. It, it, it's, it's going to be huge this play. We're going to have to spend a lot of money. Um, just put in 100 million for Declan Rice. Get him in. Get Declan Rice in. That's not that's not fantastical, is it? Um, but I, um, Ivan Tony, um, it's interesting. I found his celebration interesting because he celebrated it as if he had proven something to Newcastle United football club and its fans. It's like, no, mate, anybody cared? Like, when you got sold? Um, we never saw you play. Got a lot, Norman. I don't know if What's you noticed that? that. I don't know if you noticed that from the stream, but he got he got booed a lot by the Gallagher, and I didn't understand it actually. Oh, did he? That, that's that, that's yeah. really interesting because I thought myself, well, actually, he, he barely played. Um, so it's it's interesting that he got booed. Um, so fair play him. I, I take everything back that I've said. He deserved his goal. 
and he milked it the way he should have done. But no, no, um, the, the people who sold him aren't even at the club anymore. It was just I just found it uh, I found it interesting. But now you've mentioned the boo, and I mean, just delete this point completely, please. <laughs> Never. Uh, we'll never silence you, Norman. Um, Lance, is there anyone wants to make any points about the defence and things that we've not said? Yeah, I do. Um, I think Tony didn't just have share on toast. I thought he had all three of them, uh, to be honest. There was times where, like, usually, like when you've looked back over the years, you could probably say Clark and Lascelles, two physical centre-backs, and they don't let, they, they don't get pushed around, they don't get, they don't, they don't get bullied. They get bullied every week now. Uh, Lascelles gets bullied physically so much. Yet, when we were Tottenham for England in 2018, there wasn't a striker on the, a striker in the league that could push him off the ball. Now he just gets just gets pushed off the ball like so easily. And Clark gets caught out position so much. And Mbembo, uh, Mbembo, I think it is. Um, and and Tony, they had a they had an absolute field day because. The, the movement, the the ability, the, the the physicality, and I think even earlier in the season, I think Michael Antonio for West Ham had an absolute field day because he's a physical presence and he's quick. And Tony's got that physical presence about him as well. And our defense just it, it just isn't up to scratch. Like Cher had a good game yesterday, and it was right that he was in the team. But I think to touch on what Norman said earlier on, um, I, I think. Defensive reinforcements is an absolute must in January because physically, defensively, it's just, it's absolutely abysmal. It's true to Newcastle form. We had a good, good couple of years under Benitez defensively, but it's typical Newcastle defensively. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. For me, I'd, I'd, I'd change both fullbacks for Arsenal. Uh, like I said, St. Maximum is getting more and more frustrated with Richie yesterday, whether he wants the ball quick. And Richie did start a to play the ball more quickly, but Richie, this is this is a, a question for how to um, for how to address is that Richie in attacking situations always wants his teammates to engineer a position for him to cross the ball. So Maximan's trying to engineer a position where he gets the ball in the box to get a shot off or or, or, or across, but across the face um, or pulled back. So you've got your left back and your left sided of the front three there with completely different competing ideas. And I'm sure that can be sorted out. But if, if you're Matt Richie and you're not crossing the ball, you're almost not supposed to be in the team. So that's an issue that I, I, I saw yesterday. Murphy, very bad defensively, but, you know, can get up and down quickly. Maybe it's the athleticism point that Howe and Tindall are looking at and, and thinking, we need this team to, to be getting up and down the pitch more quickly. Uh, move the ball quicker. I, I often worry about just just Murphy's like touch. It's just not good enough. It's it's not quite Premier League level, like you said earlier, Kyle. He can whip a good ball in. And he, in if he plays uh, the remaining twenty seven games or whatever we've got left, twenty five, twenty six games left, he probably will get five assists that Mancure wouldn't get. So it's a real it's a real interesting one. Um, I think we'll leave it there, lads. It's been a pleasure to speak to you all. Thanks to everyone who listens to the show. Really appreciate it. Like we said, we are on Patreon, £5.50 a month. Give us a shot on that if you like what you hear. Norman's down on Arsenal next week. We'll be back with the free podcast. Uh, what will it be? Next Sunday, this time next week, with Norman and a couple of others. Uh, we've also got Warren Barton joining us next week on our Pro View show. He joins Keith Gillespie on Patreon uh, as a, a regular contributor to the True Faith Patreon podcast. So, I'll stop talking. Thanks to you, lads. Thanks for listening. Speak to you all very soon. Cheers.